Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. So have you ever like seen something and seen it in two different ways? You know, maybe you looked at it one time one way and then you looked at it a different time and saw something different. There's, there's actually artwork that you're probably familiar with um, that's called ambiguous artwork that kind of plays on that motif, right, of like seeing things two different ways. And when I was a kid and I discovered this, I thought it was really neat, you know. Um, my dad is an art teacher, so art was already always a part of my life. But I really liked that um, specific artwork. So let's try a few together. I'm sure these are familiar t- for you. Maybe if um, you could put my slides up there. There you go. Okay, so there's one. Now, there's two different pictures here, right? So which one did you see first? Raise your hand if you saw the vase first. Oh, some vase people. What about the two faces? Wow, that's really interesting. Okay, so two faces were first. All right, what about the next one? All right, so there's a, a man who I, who I think is playing the saxophone, it looks like to me, um, or a woman's face. So which one did you see first, the, the guy playing the saxophone, okay, or the woman's face? Oh, interesting. Well, ha- I wish I could keep tabs of who saw what first. Maybe we're all in the same group. I don't know. Um, okay, you can go to the next one. This is a classic, classic rabbit and duck. Okay, so who sees the rabbit first? I see the rabbit first. Oh, we're in a minority here. Who sees the duck first? (laughs) Wow. Wow. And sometimes when they're smaller, you can, it it changes it. Um, Because I even looked at my computer screen and saw one image immediately one way that I only saw large a different way. So um, this next one. All right, so there's an old man or a guy on horseback. Which one did you see, the guy on horseback? Oh, or the the old man. There you go. Wow. Okay, last one. These are some zebras. Zebras are pretty obvious. Um, Or there's a lion's face. Did you see the lion's face first? Okay or the zebras. Oh, wow, all right. It's just fun. I, and then there's a, the things that circulate on Facebook where you try to find the images in the image, you know, and I sit there and spend forever trying to find every last 28 images in this thing. Um, but sometimes the Bible is a similar thing, you know? We can look at the Bible in more than one way. Right? We can say, oh, yeah, it's just some, some instructions, some ways to follow God, the way he wants us to please him. Um, and it can just be like teachings and rules, those kind of things. Um, or we can see it as an invitation of love to live the God life. And those are two different ways of seeing the Bible. Um, sometimes, as, you know, growing up, I was presented with the Bible as a very uh, instructional book, right? You know, you go to Sunday school and you learn your moral lesson of how you're supposed to obey God and please him. And you can come away with not viewing the Bible in a different way. Um, And yes, there's a lot of 
a lot of instruction in the Bible. In the Old Testament, right, there's the law, the way um, that people were supposed to live in relationship with God. Um, And I talked about this about two weeks ago in my sermon on Galatians 5, where in the Old Testament there was a mode of transportation um, that people had called the law to have a relationship with God. And I gave this um, kind of description or image of the, the, a lake in Wisconsin called Lake Winnebago that, f- that freezes over, right? And as it's frozen, um, these different roads are built, right? And so it's this whole network of roads and people drive their car on it. And they drive their car on it to set up fishing shanties, but some people just drive their car on it um, to make it quicker to work, you know, shortcut. But the New Testament, our new covenant relationship with Jesus is that this lake has melted. It's springtime, the lake has melted, and the new mode of transportation is Jesus, life in Jesus. And we're never going back to this old mode of transportation where we're just trying hard to follow rules and and produce that self kind of life that self life so this new way of seeing scripture is man it's an invitation of relationship with jesus and it's this new life put inside of us um, and now jesus lives his life through us and sometimes we have to to work to make that switch in our brain, to see it in a different way, that now we're not just following um, teaching instructions. No, we're following a person. And we're not only following a person, but we're in relationship with that person. And not only are we in relationship with that person, but he's actually inside of us, and he is our new life. He makes our home in us when we say yes to him. And now we live our life through him. And that is one of the snapshots that we took away from Galatians in this past series, Galatians 2.20. says, my old life has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earthly body, I, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself me. So if we choose Jesus and we choose this new way of life, then that new way of life just flows through us because we're rooted in Jesus. But as soon as we turn back to that old mode of transportation, that self-effort kind of life, we miss the mark. We miss the mark that the gospel is grace and alignment with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to preach my whole past sermon, so I don't want to do that, but that's basically um, kind of the the precursor to this new series. I want us to really, really understand that we have freedom in Christ and we're aligned with the Holy Spirit. And when we live from that place of foundation, this new way of living just flows out from us. And so one of the invitations of this new life that Jesus has for us is loving others, is loving our neighbor as ourself. 
So that's this, this new series for the next few weeks that we're going to look into, um, is loving our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus simply invites us to love the way that God does and put that love into action. <clears throat> and that is summarized in what Jesus calls the great commandment. But as soon as we make that great commandment something that we just need to obey, then we feel like we've failed. And really, when we make it about self-effort, yeah, we have failed. That's, that is the great equalizer between all of us. We have all fallen short. But the grace of God is so wonderful that he says, you are my beloved sons and daughters. I welcome you home, and you stand in my grace with blessing and favor. And so <clears throat> we can look at this great commandment as Jesus' like, continual invitation to live life with him the way he intended with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to reimagine this great commandment together as an invitation and a promise of our new life, not just something that we have to work hard at doing. There's grace and there's power to live this kingdom life. So <clears throat> let's look at this passage of scripture, the most important commandment. It says in, uh, let's see, I'm in Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus, he was previously in discussion with the Sadducees about resurrection, and apparently he had given them such a, a good answer that they really had nothing left to question him. So the Pharisees think, ah, oh, okay, it's our turn to trap him. We're going to try to put our questions at Jesus. And the Pharisees were used to discussing uh, which commandment was more important, you know, they, which one had more weight, you know, and so they got in these philosophical discussions. And so they throw this question at Jesus to see what he's going to say. And he tells them the entire Old Testament can be summarized in these two important commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they didn't have much to say to that. <clears throat> but loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself goes way beyond just like good teaching and moral principles, the good ethic that we live by as Christians, loving your neighbor. You know, we our culture wants to live by a code of ethics, right? We want to keep each other accountable to this code of ethics. And I think the code of ethics that is today is equality, inclusion, kindness and justice, if I were to summarize it. And all those can be good things until our true hearts are exposed. And we're like, oh wait, we don't actually live up to those things. Because we need a heart 
change, to live out real and true love. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to, a heart change, to love God with our whole being and then have true love towards our neighbor. Now, the Jewish life was already formed around God as the central thing of their life, the worship of the one true God. And that's to our focus as well, worship of God. But thankfully, it's no longer based on sacrifices and trying to keep this moral code, right? The law, that, that price has been paid once and for all. We're free to love God with our whole beings. We're just free to do it. And it's an invitation God gives us. Hey, I created you. You are made in my image. We were made for God, and we find our truest selves when we worship God and love him as our creator. And every aspect of our life is meant to be poured out in worship to God. Basically, everything we do, we're to do it for God. And then we find our truest self in that way. That's the invitation. And this second invitation, loving our neighbor as ourself is also made possible only through the grace of Jesus. Because through Jesus, he gives us new hearts enabled to love other people. So that we can put aside our earthly ways of just wanting to be selfish and trapped in our own, in our own self, we can actually live the pattern of the kingdom. It's an invitation. We can let go of that way of earthly living and we can live true love. The, the prophet Ezekiel, he kind of gives us uh, a prophetic picture of this new way of life that now we have the, the benefit of living. So in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, he's a prophet, and he says this about this new way of life. He says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So there's a new spirit inside of us that enables us to live God's way. And that's the invitation of Jesus. The vision of this kingdom life is that we would be given a new heart which can love like God. And as we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, it's possible. Following the greatest commandment is possible. What was not possible before through self-effort and through the law is now made possible through Jesus and the Spirit. So this promise here is renewed hearts and lives. And Jesus' mission to bring the kingdom of God to earth um, and culminating in loving God and loving people. This is, this is the defining characteristic of us as Christians, that our love of God and others would be self-evident among us. And I would say, right, as the crisis of COVID has hit over the last year, that has not been true. That has not been self-evident of a lot of people claiming to follow Jesus. And which is really 
it's been hard, right? It's been hard to even identify yourself sometimes as a Christian because you don't want this ugliness that has been smeared on social media and every other place, sphere of the internet to reflect on your heart with Jesus. But we're, we're, we're called to demonstrate this love of God and love of other people. And that's the invitation for us this morning, that we can, we can align with the Holy Spirit to live like this. And if we're not living like that, then we're not aligned with the Holy Spirit. We're just not. We're, we're, we're turning away from Jesus. <clears throat> you know, Jesus is, one of Jesus' nicknames in Scripture was a friend of sinners, right? And that's because he went around and befriended every person he met and blessed them. And not everyone liked that. So that's how he got that nickname. People didn't like his generous, empathetic, blessing way of life. They were offended by it. <clears throat> but that was the rhythm to his life and ministry. And so we want to take Jesus up on this new way of life that's possible for us to be a blessing to our neighbors. And this is who we are as people of God and as a church body, that our true self is rooted in Jesus, and through that relationship, we overflow blessing to others. And I love that our sign is going up this next week because our logo, is it, it, it captures that for us. It's the, the tree and the river flowing out. And um, John 7:38 says, "Whoever believes in me, the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." And that's who we're called to be as people. We are people that are deeply rooted in Jesus, deeply rooted in the presence of God. And from that inner work that He has done in our life, we are flowing out rivers of living water to other people. Blessings go out from our hearts and from this church. We get to participate in spiritual renewal throughout central Illinois. That's what our church gets to do. And we get to put that up next week and show everybody that we exist and we are here. And if you want to join us, come on, we're ready. And that's what my heart um, just beats for. And there are two other passages from Scripture um, that capture this that I want to read to you. So one is from Isaiah 58, 11 through 12, and it says, Yahweh will always guide you where to go and what to do. He will fill you with refreshment even when you are in a dry and difficult place. He will continually restore your strength to you. So you will flourish like a well-watered garden and like an ever-flowing, trustworthy spring of blessing. Your people will rebuild long-deserted ruins, building anew on foundations laid long before you. You will be known as repairers of the cities and restorers of the community. You know, my heart beats for spiritual renewal across central Illinois. For people that have um, been journeying away from God, we want to bring them back. And we do it through the continual renewal that God does in our heart. We don't do it from any other source. 
We do it from the well-watered garden that he produces inside of us. And then there's the image of Psalm 1-3. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, this picture of the tree, this picture of the worshiper in both of these images come from the, the Palestinian dry and desert climate. So to say that they're continually fruitful is because they're rooted in the right soil. They are rooted in God. And that fruitfulness is natural and reproducing and flows out to bless other people. The fruitfulness is not just for the worshipers, but is for other people. And so that's the picture when you see our tree that you think of. Man, I'm a worshiper rooted in the presence of God, rooted in Jesus, and out of that well-watered garden, no matter what the circumstances of the crazy world are and my life, I can be a blessing to other people. And we can do that as a community of believers. So, you know, we have this wonderful vision to, to partner with God in bringing his kingdom life to other people and our neighbors and those around us. And people, people are hungry for genuine community. They really are. And people are re-engaging in community now and don't quite know how to do it because we've kind of been in our houses and on the internet, and the internet is such an, an easier place to kind of be social and having real relationships with people takes work and it's challenging and we, we frustrate one another. And, and that, that makes us, it pushes on us a lot more. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've kind of lost the skill set for this. I have to re-engage in this way of, of loving my neighbor as myself. Now, Barna Group, they're a research group. They, they recently did a study called reviving evangelism in the next generation. And they looked, they asked people what they value in a person whom with they could talk about spiritual matters with. And they came up with kind of like three conclusions um, from this study. And the first is people are looking uh, for people that listen without judgment. People want to, to be listened to without judgment. And listening is one of the, the best ways we can love somebody. You know, everyone wants to feel heard and listened to. And specifically in this study, they said they, people want someone that assumes their best. They want someone to hear their questions, hear their stories, and hear their experiences. And I would say that's true. Yeah, I mean, we all want that. But unfortunately, um, I haven't seen so much of that in the last year. Maybe just on the internet, right? I keep saying the internet. Maybe that sounds even old to say the internet. But online, I don't know. Um, but mostly when our relating is on, is on Facebook and virtual, right? It's just an echo chamber of our own ideologies, right? It's not really true listening that you have face to face with another human being. And two-thirds of the people surveyed said they had no one in their life who would listen to them without judgment. And that is the sad truth sometimes, even in the circles of Christianity, because we can be known for our talking and our agendas more than listening. And 
listening without judgment is a gift that we give to other people and a gift we can give to our neighbors that can lead to spiritual conversations. But first, people want to be listened to. <clears throat> now, the second uh, point is allow them to draw their own conclusions. Now, this is hard. This is very hard. Friends and neighbors are not projects. They're people. And it can be hard for us because we carry the truth and we know what God wants from our lives. And so we're very quick to want to redirect people towards the truth when their thinking and their lives don't align with the truth. But that's the quickest way to shut someone down. People are looking for someone who won't force a conclusion on them, but will trust them to have their own spiritual journey and also trust that God is going to do his work in them, that God is present and at work in their life. We can trust God to do his part. We don't have to coerce people or coerce God to move and work in our timeline that feels comfortable, right? We get to work with God in what he's doing and his promptings. You know, when I first um, came to, well, Dan and I used to work at the Vineyard Church in Baton Rouge. That's where we moved from, Louisiana. We're originally from Illinois, so I always have to preface that because I don't have a southern accent, right? I, I have a very, well, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, so I have a very Midwestern accent. But when we first worked, when we first visited the Vineyard Church of Baton Rouge, I was kind of blown away by how messy the church seemed, okay? And it seemed like people were all over the spectrum of like what they believed, what they did with their life, who they were. And I was just kind of shocked. Uh, I think that I just grew up in a lot of churches where people's life on the outside, the, the, the life they presented at church seemed pretty good, right? seemed like everyone had their stuff together. Well, until they didn't, and then the bottom falls out, but somehow we're all able to kind of bring, kind of hide that and package it and then show up at church and not let the messy stuff fall out. But at this church, it seemed like all the messy stuff was falling out, and I was just kind of like, well, I don't know what to do with that. I haven't experienced that. But our pastor, what I admire so much about him at the time I mean, still, but our pastor at the time was that he celebrated every movement towards Jesus, okay? So Jesus, and we've talked about this, the centered set um, versus bound set. Jesus is here at the center. And someone might be like way over here in their life and behavior and however you view them, but they are making a step towards Jesus. And he was able to celebrate that no matter what. Or maybe someone is really close to Jesus, and they're still moving towards Jesus. Or maybe someone looks like they're close to Jesus, but they're stepping away from Jesus. You know, we're trying to say, yes, everyone is moving towards this trajectory. We're celebrating and helping people journey towards Jesus as the center. We're not saying there's this invisible circle that says, well, <clears throat> if your life looks like this over here, like, you, don't, you can't belong with us. You can't be on mission with us and follow Jesus. Um, we're okay with a messy church. We're okay with people being 
all over the spectrum um, because we're, we're journeying towards Jesus and we're going to celebrate people's steps towards Jesus. And we can trust them and we can trust God for them to be on their own spiritual journey. We don't have to, to fix it all immediately or all the time, right? Now, the third conclusion was confidence in sharing your own perspective. So, of course, there does come a time where you get to share your own stories and experiences and convictions with other people, but only after you have loved them without judgment and have trusted them um, to come to their own conclusions. Then they do... The survey says they do want to hear from you, but they want to hear that you actually have like true convictions, not just like the Christian answer that maybe you're supposed to have, but what really does um, burn in your heart. Oh, they want to hear that. Um, so that's just kind of a framework for you to understand when you're, when you're loving your neighbor, when you're loving people that are different like you, this is what is going to help you kind of gain that trust relationship to have spiritual conversations. So for the next five weeks, we're going to um, introduce five simple practices that help us love our neighbor like Jesus did. And it's in the acronym BLESS. So it's about being a blessing to our neighbor. So just to close, one practical tip I have for you is to start dreaming with God um, about what you can do with him. Sometimes our imaginations need to be recaptured. Like, God, what can you do in this community or with my neighbors or with the people that I work with or someone in my family? Um, you know, just start dreaming with God. Sometimes we we don't dream with God. We don't go to that imaginative place of, God, what can you do with, these, with people in my life that I'm in proximity to? What can we do together? What is on your heart to do with the people that are around me? You know, there's so many places that need spiritual renewal in our communities, and you're not, you're not supposed to do it all, but God might be asking you uh, to, he might highlight one person or one place or one thing. So just get curious with God and start to imagine the things that you, you and God could do together. Um, so I will pray as we uh, just move into our time of worship and set our hearts and mind on worshiping the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul. So, God, thank you that we have this invitation to live a new way of life with you. And then it's just something that you're drawing us into. It's a continual invitation. Every day we wake up, we can live in your presence. We can be nourished by you and your spirit. And you uh, send us out to love people like you did. And when we mess it all up, you bring us right back to our same place of favor and blessing and identity. There's nothing that we can do to change that. And I thank you that we don't have to have it perfect and we don't have to 
rely on self-effort, but we can rely solely on you. And you are the faithful and true God. And we love you, Jesus. And so we, we love you now by worshiping you. So we pray this in Jesus' name. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org lifemohammed.org